Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, an author, martial artist, and survival expert explains how we can defeat the New World Order by forming our own self-reliant communities. If we team up and form communities, then we don't need their welfare system. We don't need their healthcare system. We don't need their education system. And we don't need their police. Have you subscribed to my free monthly newsletter yet? The Inner Sanctum is jam-packed with news and information, and it's delivered free to your email inbox once a month. All you need to do is register your name and email address at my website, strangeplanet.ca. The Inner Sanctum contains a spotlight on previous guests from my weekly radio program and this podcast. There's my podcast pick of the month, a book club, a This Month in Conspiracy History section, and more. The Inner Sanctum is yours, absolutely free. Again, all you need to do is register at strangeplanet.ca. And once you've registered, your name automatically goes into a monthly draw for great Strange Planet gear for my Strange Planet shop. Register right now at strangeplanet.ca. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Piles of snow here this past weekend, about 20 centimeters Friday and Saturday. I shoveled the driveway three times, Saturday and once on Sunday, and it was cold. Minus 13 Celsius. We put a nice dent in the wood pile, I'll say that. Makes me feel, well, Canadian. And today, to top it off, I'm taking the boys skiing, about an hour north of here. On real cold days with lots of snow, it makes me wonder how our ancestors managed without central heating, without electricity, without Netflix, but they did. In fact, they flourished because they had the know-how. They had self-reliance and they worked together with their neighbors. Today, we're lucky if we know our next door neighbor's name. Stefan Verstappen is standing by with a plan to help instill self-reliance, make us less dependent on our government. In fact, his new project is a crowd-funded book, a blueprint, if you will, a step-by-step guide to forming small, self-reliant communities. Not only will it help increase the odds of survival, should our government collapse in the face of natural or man-made calamity, but it's also a way of breaking away from the new world order which seeks to control every aspect of our lives. Stefan is a writer, world traveler, artist, martial arts expert, and street youth counselor. He's lived and traveled throughout China and East Asia. While in Asia, he studied oriental art, culture, and kung fu. He's a master of the Lohan School of Martial Arts and one of the few Westerners to have lived and studied Kung Fu in China. He's the author of The Art of Urban Survival, The 36 Strategies of Ancient China, Defense Against the Psychopath, and his latest project, The Complete Guide to Forming Communities for Mutual Aid, Support, and Charity. Stefan Verstappen, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Richard. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. The Complete Guide to Building Communities. We should mention right off the top, this is a a crowd-funded project. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how people can help get this book off the ground. Um, Well, if you go to GoFundMe um, forward slash how to create community. And um, what I'm doing is, you know, I don't don't ask for donations because I feel that's... it's not me I feel like I'm begging if I ask for donations but what I am asking for is if you buy an advanced copy through the GoFundMe platform that will help fund me to produce the book so I'm not asking for donations but if you want to be the first person to get a copy of this book uh, in PDF form a $10 donation and that PDF will be emailed to you as soon as it's available and if you want to donate a little bit more, then I will uh, send you a paperback edition of the book as soon as it's out. All right. Now, you you also sort of uh, bill this book as a way to defeat the New World Order. 
How, how so? Well, listen, I've been researching this subject and, and trying to discover a way to fight the system. We are in big trouble, folks. We are under attack by a malevolent entity, uh, a cabal, an organization that is out to destroy Western civilization and to destroy families and to destroy humanity and enslave them into a mindless mass of obedient workers, as George Carlin would say. That's what they want. Mindless mass of obedient workers. And they are full throttle on bringing this about. So I've been looking into this for 40 years. Maybe you could say I'm a conspiracy theorist, theorist but that's a misnomer. Everything is a conspiracy. It always has been. So if you say you're a conspiracy theorist, that means you have a grasp of reality conspiracies is how everything in society works. And I've been noticing this trend for 40 years. And my first book is on Chinese strategy because I wanted to learn how to be ruthless and how to employ strategy and tactics because, you know, which led me into my work on psychopaths. And we were talking earlier for the listeners um, about the show we did three years ago on uh, Coast to Coast AM. Richard had me on and we, we spoke about psychopaths and sociopaths. And what got me onto that was the realization is that these are the people that are running things and they control the government. Now, we can't go out and fight them. The, you know, the protests are nice. I follow the yellow vests in France and, and, you know, I used to live in Hong Kong, so I'm really keeping on top of the Hong Kong protests. Good for them. I'm really surprised to see the Chinese people fighting back so hard. But look, ultimately, it's not going to go anywhere because they don't care. They don't care. How, you know, every day for over a year now, tens of thousands of people have flooded Paris wearing yellow vests because they want to get rid of this Macron sociopath. And um, what has France done? Nothing. The guy's still in power. There's not even, you know, uh, uh, a re-election, a call for a re-election or, or uh, uh, what they call it, a, uh, what we have here. A recall. A recall, you know, nothing has happened. It doesn't matter how much you protest. And I remember, you know, maybe I'm older than most of your listeners, but I remember before the Iraq war and every city in Europe and America had a million people protesting the war in Iraq, Paris, Barcelona, London, Amsterdam, uh, uh, Berlin, and all through the States literally hundreds of thousands of people saying do not attack iraq do not attack iraq it didn't slow it down one second now almost 20 years later they're still in iraq so look all this protest doesn't work voting doesn't work writing petitions you know i sign all the petitions that are sent to me yeah i want to make the people that send it to me feel that i'm trying to support them but they're useless do you think these psychopaths are going to listen to us. They're not. So we have to attack them. Now, we can't attack them militarily. You know, it it sounds nice. Some people dream about, you know, we all get our, our shotguns and we march on, on uh, Parliament Hill or on uh, Washington, D.C., and, uh, you know, we string the bastards up. That's, you know, that's falling into their trap. Anybody that does that is going to be slaughtered. There's no way uh, a, a civilian militia is going to get anywhere when they have helicopter gunships. So how can we get them? So based on my research into military strategy, I know we need to go into guerrilla warfare. We need to undermine their strength. And the best way to undermine their strength is to starve them out by not paying into that by not supporting them we all of us through our taxes through our shopping habits through our cell phone subscriptions through our cable uh, subscriptions and shopping at the big stores and going to sending our children to public schools all of this feeds them so if we can reduce the amount of money and time and energy we give to the government we will weaken them and undermine them. And it's safe. They can't attack us 
because we don't want to spend our money uh, um, in their institutions doesn't mean they have the right now to send out the helicopter gunships. They can't attack us that way. They might not even notice it. Well, you're, you're not and, suggesting stop paying taxes. You're just saying just don't rely on them anymore. Like render unto, unto Caesar, but just ignore Caesar after that. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Render unto Caesar. Now, render as little as you can unto Caesar. I recommend looking into uh, every tax loophole and tax deduction you can take, if it means you incorporate and then your your employer pays you as a subcontractor, then you can deduct your rent and your expenses from your from your taxes. If you know, work it out, get a good tax consultant and figure it out if that's a good way to go, so long as you pay less tax because more money for you and less money for the evil people. So definitely, yeah, uh, but you can't not pay tax. They will come and get you and they will throw you in jail. So I would never recommend anybody just not paying taxes. Even though you and I have both heard of numerous people uh, that recommend that and they have various strategies to get out of it. So far, I haven't seen anyone that really works well that you know that they're just going to say oh well if you declare yourself a, a sovereign citizen you won't have to pay taxes i don't know if that works that's I'm, a I'm huge sorry. risk and then you get before a judge uh who who knows might be one of these psychopaths and he says well uh, you know case dismissed you're going to jail i don't even want to hear your i don't even want to hear your side of things yeah you're right it's just a it's a huge risk so minimize your exposure to the tax man but then Become self-reliant. Don't rely on the government uh, because, well, not only, you know, they may be corrupt, but also, you know, we're heading into some pretty stormy waters here. At some point, uh, you know, we could see some cataclysmic event. So we want to reinstill self-reliance. Absolutely. And, you know, government, I'm, I'm sort of an anarchist in the traditional sense that Peter Kirk Kropotkin sense of the word, which is simply, I just don't want government in my business. I want as little to do with them as possible. Government should be in charge of, say, policing, maintaining uh, a border, maintaining a defensive force inside the country, not to be sent overseas for police work. No, I'm all in favor of the military, provided they stay within the borders of the country. Right. He and who governs least governs best. Yes, that was, um, I know that quote. Uh, it might be Jefferson, I'm not sure. Yes, yes, yes. And so I'm, I'm in favor of that. Now, at one point, our governments were much smaller. They didn't provide welfare, they didn't provide health insurance, they didn't provide police departments. In the old days, there were no police departments. Communities hired their own police departments. People don't, don't know that, but it was only 100 years ago. Um, but now all that's been changed. The government does everything. They, they, they provide the education. They provide the police. They provide the health care. They provide the welfare. They provide the food stamp. They, we never needed them before because before the government extended their reach and became bigger and more powerful and more totalitarian, communities did all of that for themselves. They did it better and they did it cheaper. So if we can go back to a self-reliance, not just individually, like individually, I'm very self-reliant. I sew my own, you know, I, I, I darn my own socks. I, I, uh, I fix my own car. Uh, it's, I can do just about everything. I cook and clean and sew and you name it. I do it all myself. I'm completely self-reliant as an individual. But if we team up and form communities, then... We don't need their welfare system. We don't need their health care system. We don't need their education system. And we don't need their police. If we can, because right now we have like a neighborhood watch. And if we were to form our own neighborhood watch and just say, upgrade it a little bit to patrols with radios, we're good. So we don't need all this government interference in our lives because the more the government interferes, the more money they will steal, number one, and the more they'll screw things up. Remember, government never does anything good. 
All they do is screw things up. Look at the war on poverty. There's never been more homeless people. Look at the war on drugs. There's never been more drug addicts. And only at- and only a government could legalize marijuana, be in charge of selling the marijuana, and then yet lose money. Only the government could lose money selling drugs. <laughs> yes, only Canada's own princess is capable of that. Um, but it doesn't have to be a corrupt government. You could be living with a great government, uh, but... Again, what happens in some sort of a natural calamity, like an EMP event that knocks out all of the power? What happens in the event, God forfend, of World War III, which some people are, uh, you know, a lot of people are very nervous about these days with the situation in Iran, and then down the road, China? Well, you don't have to um, think about a a, a what-if scenario. It's happening right now. Look at the fires in Australia. The government was responsible for creating the conditions that made these fires possible. The government dammed up the available water and sold it to Canada. Like, we need water in Canada? You know, fly over Canada. It looks like an ocean with a bunch of islands. That's how much water, water there is. And apparently Canada sold the water to Venezuela or something, some funky deal like that. It's the government of Australia that's not responding to the wildfires. The prime minister went on vacation while the country burned. It's like Nero in Rome, fiddling while Rome burned. <laughs> Literally, yes. So, so there you go. There's a perfect example of what if there's a, a disaster and a tragedy. There it is. It's in Australia. It's, it's unbelievably horrific and tra- tragic what is happening there. And it's the fault of the government. And... You know, because I'm I'm listening to all the podcasts from Australia. I follow the news there. Uh, I keep on top of the situation, and they're all going. Well, you know, we, you know, we, we nobody. The government's not helping them, and also they don't have a plan, which really frustrates me because I could have created a plan for each of those communities that would allow them to thrive and 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 escape and be healthy and happy during such a disaster because I can, you know, I have plans for what's called a uh, disaster preparedness community. You get your local church or your local community center or your local Lions Club or Rotary Society or school group, and you just implement this plan, uh, which has, you know, escape and evade shelter, um, radio and communications, first aid and medical, food supplies, all of that would be taken care of by the small community. Right now, the fire is raging through Australia. Everybody's scrambling. Nobody has a plan on how to get out, where to go, how are they going to feed themselves, how are they going to treat the injured. There's no plan for that. The government doesn't have a plan, and the individual communities don't have a plan for that. The reason they don't is because one thing you are not taught in this world is how to work together as a harmonious community because that's not what the government wants. The government wants you to, the deep state, the new world order, the the psychopaths that rule this world don't like that. They want you weak and helpless and dependent on them and frightened so they can control you. And that's why you you won't get my plan out there. there I, you know, I, I, I search, you know, I keep thinking, somebody must be doing what I'm doing. Nobody's doing that. Okay, Not so let's, the- let's, let's get into it then. Um, I want to start, I mean, you, you've spent time in China. You're a China watcher. You've spent a lot of time in China. And, you know, you're not, certainly not a, uh, uh, um, I know enough about you to know you're not a, a communist. But it's something that happens there culturally that you've taken away, uh, not only in China, but in Southeast Asia. They're called lending circles. Tell me about how these work and how these might help a community. Well, this is just one of many uh, formations you can create or uh, variations on a working group that you can use um, in China and Hong Kong and Japan and throughout Southeast Asia. If you wanted to start a business, you didn't go to a bank. Now, in the old days and still now, but uh, in China, banks were notoriously miserable institutions to deal with. I mean, it would be hard to even open a bank account 
in China 20 years ago. They wouldn't allow you to. So you had no access to a bank account, certainly no access to lending or, or, or money from a bank. Banks back in the old days in China and Taiwan too, um, back in the old days, banks only served the interests of the upper class and the middle class, lower class, no bank account, no credit card, nothing for you. So the Chinese, and that's been more or less tradition in China for thousands of years. So the Chinese and the Japanese and, and the South Asians learned to work together to form what's called a lending circle. And the way that works is you get 10, 20, 50 people that are school chums, that live in your village, that are uh, family members, extended family members, you know, third cousin, fourth cousin. And everybody would kick in a certain amount of money every month, maybe 10 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is. After a few months, that pot, that kitty, starts to amass a, a, a pretty good amount of money. It's surprising how fast 50 people can save 10,000 bucks. So what they would then do is if somebody wanted to borrow that money, they would make an offer. And if there was two people that wanted to borrow it, they would both make an offer. And their offer consisted of a business plan and an interest rate that they're willing to pay back. And then it was up to the community, to the lending group, the lending circle, to decide who should get the, uh, the, the, the startup money, the angel investment for this business. And then that person would get the money and everybody in the community would, they have an interest in seeing that business work. So let's say it was a Korean family and they wanted to uh, purchase a convenience store in a bad neighborhood because it's going cheap there. Well, okay, so then 50 Koreans would each kick in 100 bucks after uh, six months. They got $50,000 to put into the business, and they would buy the convenience store. And all 50 people would do everything they can to make sure that place is a success. Right, because they want a return on their investment. Of course. You know, you have an interest, a vested interest. Here, if you get a loan from the bank, nobody from the bank is going to come and say, listen, do you need... Do you need a hand in the shop? <laughs> you know, do, do no, you need they a just, hand? They wait the till books? it fails and then they foreclose. Exactly, they wait till it fails and then they foreclose. But the Koreans would go in and they would support each other. Now, surprisingly, after the Civil War in the United States, black lending societies were very widespread because coming out of slavery, they had no access to the banks, the same as the Orientals don't, and. Uh, for black people to start a business, where are you going to get the money? They did exactly the same thing. This is a common kind of format. And, and, and the same with the Koreans, the black community. Let's say it was a black man. He wanted to open up a barbershop. So he would borrow the money from 100 black men and uh, black families that were all contributing to the kitty. And, uh, of course, they're getting a return on their investment, of course. Um, so they have an interest in seeing this guy's barbershop do really good. So they would send their friends there. They would hand out flyers and leaflets and business cards and uh, word of mouth. And they would go there themselves. Of course, they would get a discount. Um, so when you have a community that, that has a vested interest in making your business succeed, it tends to succeed. And then and so, after a generation or two, it's not convenience stores. They're buying hotels. Exactly. And they're smart like that. I was up up, up at uh, Honey Harbor, you know, just up north here. And um, there was a convenience store, uh, you know, a little old 1920s convenience store. This is cottage country. And it was run by Koreans. And <laughs> But, you know, they'll do that because uh, – They'll run it for five years, 10 years. And then what they'll do is they'll sell that to more recent Korean immigrants. And then they'll take the profit, bring it, you know, feed it back into their lending circle. And now they're going to buy uh, uh, a motel up there or uh, a cottage. Uh, you know, what, what do you call them when it was cottage? Right, right. They have Right? So, so the lending circle, yeah, that, that's something that you could, uh, I mean, how many people to make a, one of these communities you're talking about really viable to include a lending circle? Because you need a sizable, if you're going to create your own bank, you need some capital 
uh, a lot of capital. So how many people uh, in a community do you think ideally? As Well, I would say no more than 100. It all depends on trust, though. That's the whole problem. Uh, you have to have some kind of societal relationship with the people that are involved in it. In it. So it's either a church group or uh, because then you have religion as a common bond or it's uh, an ethnic group, say you're the Latvian lending circle and everybody that belongs to it is Latvian. And so you have an ethnic uh, cohesion to it. Um, so it has to be organized along ethnic religious lines. I mean, that's just, just the way humanity works. Uh, diver diversity does not work in a lending circle. And <clears throat> it doesn't matter because even if you have, let's say 20 people and everybody kicks in 50 bucks, you know, so you got a thousand bucks a month. So nobody takes a loan out for two years. That's just how it goes. Right. right. Or Mike, or, or, or the latest trend now is micro loans. Let's say, you know, you want to buy, uh, put a down payment on a car and become an Uber driver and all you need is 2,500 bucks. Okay. Now you can take that out uh, with a small lending circle. It, <clears throat> it has to scale to your needs and your abilities. But the, the good news is everything is scalable. If you have a small group and you don't have a lot of money, I mean, this works for homeless people. What I mean to say, um, and again, I got this idea from China. In China, they had what was called the beggars union. And it was literally all the beggars and homeless people in a city belonged to a union. And what they would do is from the money they panhandled throughout the day, a small percentage was donated to the union. Then if they ever needed it because they got sick and they had to go to a doctor or um, in, they wanted to take a loan and take out a business, the union provided these services. So even homeless people, even beggars, can use this organization to better their lives. It's not that difficult, but you need to have a plan. I've got the plans. You can you know, be able to read them, adapt them to whatever your needs are, but whatever you do, if, we, if you do like a lending circle, then screw the banks. You don't need them. More of my conversation with Stefan Verstappen when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Here's Colleen Forgas, our full script dispensary manager and nutritional therapist. Hey, Colleen. Hi, Richard. Tell me about hair, nails, and skin. Well, we have a product from Pure Encapsulation, which is called Hair, Skin, Nails Ultra. And what I like about this product is that it contains collagen, and that's a big buzzword, very beneficial for all of those, the skin, hair, and nails. And some other natural vitamins and nutrition, biotin, for example, is one that's included in this product. And it's great for just making sure we're taking the best care as we can of our hair, skin, and nails. Hair, Skin, and Nails Ultra. And that's available at my Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary. All you need to do is visit strangeplanet.ca and click on the Full Script Dispensary button and register. Don't forget, all orders receive 10% off and orders of $50 or more ship for free. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Stefan Verstappen is here, the author of The Complete Guide to Forming Communities. You also talk about becoming food wholesalers. Tell me how that works. Well, this is a <clears throat> similar in concept to the lending circle. Um, food prices are going to go through the roof especially if we go into World War III. Uh, you're going to pay a lot of money for milk and bread, and you probably won't be able to afford to eat like you used to, and you will go hungry. So the best bet is if you can combine your purchasing power with five families, ten families, you all shop at the same place together, and you can negotiate 
for discounts on whatever you need. If I go to a store and say, listen, I'm going to uh, spend 100 bucks here. What can you do for me? <laughs> you know, they're not going to <laughs> be too impressed. But if I come with five families or 10 families and I say, listen, we plan on spending 1000 1500 maybe $2,000 a month here. What can you do for us? Or we'll go to another place. Guaranteed, these guys are going to give you a discount right off the top. But there's other ways to do it as well. You can form a nonprofit. Call yourself a food bank. Uh, say, me, me and the, the people on Maple Street, we're all going to pool our money and buy all our groceries once a month at the same time. Put it in your list. What do you want? You know, and then put in the money. It's it's not that difficult. And then we can say we're a food bank and get a uh, – uh, uh, first of all, we don't have to pay tax on the food. There you go right off the top. It's a 13%, 15% discount. Plus, maybe you can get a wholesaler's license. And now you're looking at 40 50% discount on what you pay. So if you take the same group – and a lot of times, and with the Koreans as well and the, and the Chinese – they will do that. They take the same group that is running the lending circle. So they're a mini bank. At the same time, they're a food co-op. It's the same people. They're pooling their same money. They trust each other. They know how to work the system. And they... Um, and it's all, it's, it's all legal. It's all above board, of course. You're playing by the rules. Oh, it's all by the rules. And this is why, you know, it's really important. Uh, what I put in this book... And, and what I said about not paying taxes, you got to pay your taxes. You, you don't want to go to jail and you don't want to break the law. But everything in this book is perfectly legal and therefore you're safe. And all you need to do is work together and then you have so many advantages. And then the lending circle becomes the food co-op, becomes a medical insurance co-op, becomes a homeschooling co-op, becomes a community disaster response team becomes, if need be, um, an urban guerrilla group, you know, counter, counter revolutionary. That's if, that's if, that's if everything, you know, uh, collapses and there's no, there's no civil authority anymore. Like there's a, an EMP event. And now all of a sudden you've got a marauding mob of, uh, of, uh, vandals and so forth. Yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't recommend if there's a government and a police force and, and and everything like that. No, of course not. Why would you want to become a guerrilla group? But if the government fails in their duty, which they will. And now, listen, if things go bad, you think the cops are going to go out there and look after you because, uh, you know, the, the monetary system is collapsed. They're not going to get a paycheck. They're going to stay home no. and protect their family. They're going to stay home and protect their family. Absolutely. We've seen it. Doesn't even Hurricane Katrina there in New Orleans, uh, what, what did the cops do? Were they downtown rescuing people? No, they went home to look after the families. So in a situation like that, then the same community that you've organized as a lending circle, as a bank, as a food co-op, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you also have a plan. All the men have a shotgun and a radio and a first aid kit and binoculars and flashlights and a vehicle and now you get on the radio and you go listen everybody rendezvous here let's block off maple street at the end and um, we'll have people keeping an eye out and we'll have men stationed maybe double up on some of the houses and you become in effect a uh, a militia, militia. yeah now yeah. in order to, to to pull this off successfully uh, and, and now again, I'm talking about when, when times get really bad. You need to build a community that has some people with, like you don't want to build a community filled with broadcasters like me because I'm not going to be much use to you be, aside from maybe organizing a communications network maybe. But you, you're going to need someone with some medical training presumably, someone with some, I don't know, uh, experience with firearms, maybe a bat background in the military. You're going to need someone who who knows how to uh, to to construct a uh, an emergency shelter, uh, how to how to purify water, how to how to scavenge and build a generator. All these things, right? Yes, and and my plan for if you need to form a community 
disaster response group. And I take a lot of my uh, ideas from the, uh, a program that's that goes on in the United States called CERT, which is short for uh, Community Emergency Response Team. So, you know, you can form one of those yourself. And in my plan, I recommend that you have at least five people and each of those five people would, you know, depending on their personal experience and skills, choose to take care of one of five areas of uh, survival. And that would be uh, medical, shelter, communications, nutrition, and security. And if you can, even if you can't find a doctor to be part of your group, but one person who's always been maybe interested in medicine, and they would like to be in charge of the medical group or the medical team or just do it themselves, then, um, you know, fund them to take a first aid course and uh, encourage them to read books on medicine and um, let them study up on it. Uh, another person that might not be too great at agriculture but likes cooking, likes gardening, okay, let's fund them. You know, buy them some uh, garden seeds and encourage them to take a course in gardening and so that you will train your own people. Even if you don't have people that are already trained, doesn't mean you can't train somebody. There's gonna be somebody that's interested in that. Maybe um, nobody has a firearm, but Bob's pretty rugged. He likes canoeing. Um, send him to take a firearm training course. And um, once he passes, everybody chips in and uh, gets him a shotgun, a couple hundred bucks, no big deal. And now at least you have one guy with a, a shotgun. And um, so you can train your own people if you need to. And, and in addition, you, um, aside from this work in, pro, pro, um, in progress, the Complete Guide to Building Communities, again, it's a crowdfunded project. Uh, just to give the, uh, the folks the details on how they can contribute and what they get for their contribution. Uh, well, it's uh, GoFundMe uh, forward slash how to create community. And depends on what you want to, uh, uh, I'm offering advanced sales of the books. So $10 will get you the first copy of the PDF emailed to you. Uh, 50 bucks will get you uh, the first copy of the PDF plus the hardcover, uh, the paperback book. Plus in the meantime, I'm gonna send you my survival library. Anybody that donates, they're gonna get a book right off the bat. First, you're gonna get the PDF when it comes out, but I'm also gonna send you as soon as you donate, I'm going to send you a PDF of whichever book you like that I've already written, such as um, The Art of Urban Survival, The Way of the Warrior, the 1880 uh, Home Encyclopedia of, 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 of Frontier Skills, whichever book you like. For $10, you get it right away. I email it to you, and or I send you the link to where you can download it. And then as soon as this book comes out, the one I'm working on, you'll be the first to get a PDF. And the same if you want to go up. And if you want to, like, donate 100 bucks, then I'll talk to you for an hour on the phone, on Skype, on, on, on uh, one of the other platforms. I'll talk to you personally, and we can talk about your plans, uh, go over your, uh, uh, your survival plans and, and things like that. So it's a good deal. You get everything. You get the survival library. You'll get the upcoming book and paperback, and you get to talk to me for an hour. So it, it, it's a scale like that. Depends on how much you want to go. But ten bucks, you get two books, one right away, and one when the book is done. And all of these uh, articles and books that you've written about survival, you mentioned the 1880s frontier uh, guide. That would presumably tell someone how to, I don't know, how to how to make a snare, how to hunt a rabbit, how to skin a rabbit, how to prepare a rabbit. It's all in there. It's all in the survival download. Um, I mean, everything from improvising wind generators and water generators to how to uh, make gunpowder, how to uh, cook and horticulture, fish farming, fishing, snaring, hunting, trapping, netting, shooting. You know, it's, it's all in there. Everything's in there. You could literally rebuild civilization from scratch based on the knowledge in those books. Well, and we may have to. Uh, so it's time we all uh, start learning how to do these things. Not everything at once, but as you say, if you form a community uh, and you you divvy up the responsibilities. Um, you mentioned homeschooling and homeschooling uh, co-ops. I'm, I'm part of that. I mentioned that when we talked before. That's something so easy to do. And I know many, many parents are becoming increasingly 
uh, impatient and upset and in some cases enraged with what's going on in in the public schools. Um, you know, the public school, it may be the only place your child ever experiences any kind of violence. Uh, yes. that's, that's, that's where it's happening. You know, we have gangs in schools. We have, if you can believe that, there are, believe this, there are, there are high schools in the greater Toronto area where they have uncovered prostitution rings in high school. So all of this nonsense is going on. All of the radical, progressive, crazy ideologies that are being spewed, they're indoctrinating our children. We don't have to stand for it anymore, especially in Ontario. Uh, where you don't even have to adhere to the Ontario curriculum. Um, I homeschool my boys. I'm part of a homeschooling co-op. We provide a much better curriculum. It's based on the, the classical education that the founding fathers, for example, yes. in the United States learned. They learned, they learned Latin. They learned logic. Uh, and, of course, they learn, you know, uh, f physics and biology and math and, and literature. Um, but if, if you have the wherewithal, if one of the parents is at home, uh, and, and it's such an enriching experience because imagine instead of sending your kid, your child off to, uh, to be uh, raised essentially by strangers for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, plus some kids are in aftercare, you may not see your child for 10 hours a day. There's no need for that. We need to take that back. We are responsible for educating our children. And that's my spiel. I'm uh, sorry, I'm, I'm passionate about that. No, I'm 100%. I, I'm glad you're passionate about that. I, I agree with you 100%. I'm just as passionate about it because I personally think sending your child to public education in this day and age is child abuse. Yeah, and unfortunately, they've the, the, the way they have structured the economy and the onerous taxation now, you know, it never used to be this way, but now we have, uh, in many cases, to have two parents working. Although, if you make the necessary sacrifices, you don't, you can have one parent stay at home. And even, and, and, and with the community uh, plan as well, with the, uh, using a co-op to teach your children, even if both parents are working, you can still, well, then contribute more money to the co-op. Send your kids to the co-op. Uh, 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 to your homeschool uh, location and pay a little bit more and, and at least you know they're safe there and they're not being indoctrinated into this communist manifesto and this you know insane sexual you know how they're sexualizing kids it's really disgusting i'm, right. I'm really disgusted to buy it it's easy to do you rent out a basement you pool your resources you hire some teachers you know there are a lot of teachers that can't find work uh, mm -hmm. and and you design the curriculum you're in charge. The parent is the master, uh, and you decide. Okay, this is the curriculum. I want to. I want you to teach my children the classics. I want Shakespeare. In a lot of public schools now, no more dead white guys, as they call them. They don't even teach. Yeah. And you can go through university and get a and get a, a degree in literature and never once read Shakespeare. What a crime! Yeah, you know, I'm old enough now to have seen three generations of my friends' children. And, uh, you know, when they were six and ten, they were like so smart and so curious and and uh, so talented. And then they graduate high school and I don't I don't recognize them anymore. Uh, they're self-centered. They're pathologically narcissistic. They have no knowledge of anything, no curiosity other than self-satisfaction and self-aggrandizement. And, and you keep and I go, what? What happened? I knew this girl when she was 12 and she was so smart, she was so cute and she was, you know, unafraid to try everything and then she comes out of there and all she wants to do is put on a lot of makeup and take selfies and don't bother her. I, what happened? What happened to all these brilliant young minds when they come out of the public education system? I've seen it with dozens and dozens of kids and they're horrible people after they graduate. They have no talent, no skills, no personality, and they're completely unreliable for any practical purpose. Horrible. So that's what happens when you send your kids to school. You can take a beautiful child with a brilliant mind and they'll come out a zombie. That's what happens. And the other thing is, uh, while we still have access to the internet, uh, there are so many amazing resources online uh, oh, yeah. to homeschool. And there's so many online courses. Uh, you know, the teachers unions are really, they're, they're starting to get a, a whiff of this because in our province, the premier has now required two online courses. Uh, high school students have to take two online courses. 
he's basically told them, the writing's on the wall, brick and mortar schools are on their way out. We don't need teachers anymore that way. Uh, you can, you can, your kids can get an amazing education online at home with amazing teachers, uh, interactive classes. My kids are taking ancient history. Uh, they're taking literature. They're taking a catechism course. It's all available online. Yes, it costs a little bit of money, uh, but uh, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, well, look at myself, for example. I'm a high school dropout. Um, yeah, I went back to college a few times. It took a year here, a year there. I went to every college in, in Toronto. Um, <clears throat> but I, And I dropped out of everyone. York, Ryerson, Seneca, Humber, uh, Centennial. I went to everyone, you know, uh, for a year each. So I actually had six years of college. But I dropped out of each one because I realized how ridiculous this was. I'm an autodidact. Everything I know, I taught myself. And if you go to my website, you see my accomplishments. I've written eight books and hundreds of articles. I'm a registered artist with the Canadian Council of the Arts. Uh, I've done public art installations. I'm a, a martial arts master. I'm an expert in uh, wilderness survival. It's all self-taught mostly, except for the wilderness survival I did take. Uh, some out, outward bound courses, but you don't need to go to college and you don't need, don't need to go to uh, high school. Certainly for God's sake, don't go to high school, my God. And uh, you can do it all yourself. And the other thing I recommend as well, just in case the internet does go down, um, take all this course material and store it on a flash drive. You can still replay it. Replay all the videos, replay all the uh, all the lessons, even if um, the internet is down, and even if the power is down, because I recommend people in the community to buy a, a generator. Even if you can't have one for every family, then buy one for all the families, and what you do is you move it around. Um, Bill needs to you know, get his freezer up to freezing again, so we bring it over to his house for four hours. And uh, we need to teach a class, and we want to run movies, and okay, so we bring it to the, the school location and run it for two hours. Um, but you can provide all these services for yourself. It's not that hard. Again, give us the details on the, uh, the crowdfunded book project how to build or the complete guide on building communities yeah that's gofundme.com and then it's forward slash or something like that uh, how to create community and um, you can go to my website it's china strategies one word dot com and you'll see everything that i do i, I put everything on there from my books to my martial arts to my artwork to my articles, it's all on that website. It's, it's kind of cluttered, but it, you can find your way around. And you will find all my books there as well. And you will also see a big link to the GoFundMe program. And you'll see all the benefits that I'll give you, uh, you know, the books, the, the talks, whatever you want. And um, yeah, it's all there. Chinastrategies.com. It's a, it's a terrific idea. This is a movement I would really love to see take off, building your own communities within your community, within your neighborhood. Find, get together with uh, 10 like-minded families who share the same values, who have the same goals. And even if, you know, uh, hopefully, things continue on as they are into the foreseeable future, steady as she goes, stability and so forth, uh, just by forming, uh, you know, food co-ops and energy uh, co-ops, if you have an oil furnace, Tons of savings for that reason alone. And, of course, the homeschooling, which, you know, we should be doing anyway. Uh, Stefan, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Richard. Thanks for having me back on. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be right back with a few words on an upcoming episode. I want to tell you about something I discovered recently called Carbon 60. I call it the Miracle Molecule. Now, you might remember an interview I did recently with a researcher, Chris Burris, who's looking to help people who experience pain, inflammation, loss of sleep, or lost mental acuity with his new C60 company, C60Evo.com. He has a product which is a consumable form of Carbon 60 called ESS60 that's been proven in peer-reviewed, published research to extend the lifespan of test rats by 90% 
while allowing them to live tumor-free. That's pretty amazing. Those rats were given the C60Evo.com formula. The formula is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C, and it's known to be a powerful anti-inflammatory. C60 is based on Nobel Prize winning chemistry. I highly recommend ESS60. The mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon every morning and we're both pain-free and sleeping better than ever. Discover the benefits of carbon 60. I call it the miracle molecule, ESS60 from c60evo.com. Now, make sure to use the coupon code RS1SPEC. That's RS1SPEC. Buy today at c60evo.com. That's c60evo.com. And don't forget the code RS1SPEC. This product has not been assessed by the FDA and is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up on Wednesday, learn about a new movement to opt out of U.S. government control. Join me in conversation with the founder of the Peace Bill 2020. We went directly to the president. We notified the Speaker of the House, the pro temp uh, of the Senate, the Supreme Court Justice of, of the United States Supreme Court, and the Attorney General. We notified all five. We served them papers saying, here are 500 and 73 interactions that you have with us, we want to know where is your authority for these interactions. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats, we need. We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>